I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong. We're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. What's up, family? What's up, family? Hey, beautiful people all across the world. So I've got my sister here with me today. You know, we have sister, not biological, but she's my sister, somebody who I just really adore. And I think that you all will, too. And today we're going to have, as always, a great conversation. So jumping into it. My sister is a doctor too, okay? Doctor, Doctor T. Belcher, okay? From VA. Do you do that? Do you do that? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when I was in like people from Virginia don't really do that. Listen, in college when I was in school, they definitely let us know they two up, two down. I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I got used to that VA. But anyway, Doctor T. Belcher is in the house. What's up, Doc? Nothing much, nothing much. Just at work another day. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we always, though? Look, I'm so glad to have you here. I really, really am. And you have just been nothing but a light in my life since we crossed paths. And for those of you who are like, well, how did y'all meet? Because I know that you asked. We actually connected through Friends of Friends, but it was really her on Instagram reaching out when I decided to do a program a few months back on, you know, launching a podcast. And she was one of my, what did you call it today? Because I ain't going to say it again. Would you say I called y'all? Beta babies. <laughs> because y'all are my babies. Like, but I know y'all not babies. But it's, it's conceptually in my head. Like, yeah, but I loved it. But it's, it's so exciting to have you here, Dr. Belch. It's so, so excited to have you here. So please, you know, in the, in the spirit of introducing yourself, let us know who you are and where you're from and all things about you. Okay. That's always fun to do. But I'm Dr. Belcher T. As you mentioned, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. So I guess I do rep that a little bit more than just the whole state. (laughs) Northern Virginia is a little different. (laughs) But I ain't gonna tell nobody I know from up there. Hey, they should know. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm from Richmond, Virginia, and I'm currently living down in New Orleans, professor at Loyola University, and I'm an assistant professor in the counseling department. So mm-hmm. let's see, I got my undergrad at JMU, my master's and my doctoral degree from Old Dominion University. I'm a counselor. I'm a counselor educator and podcaster. That's me. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneur, big sister, <laughs> friend, you all of it. Like, really, you you are so amazing. Y'all heard that. She didn't just say, yeah, I just went to such and such. Like, she went to James Madison University and Old Dominion. Like, you know, getting it, girl, getting it. And your first gen, like, what even drew you to want to go to those schools? And what even led you to have an interest in your field? Because, you know, you some people say, I'm going to go to school for psychology. And they go and they end up doing something totally unrelated, but you even stayed the course. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I originally wanted to study psychology and biology Hmm. because, you know, everyone's got their story, but my grandmother has multiple sclerosis. 
so that's where the biology side came in. I was kind of interested in studying like MS. And then I've always loved talking to people. Similar to my students and many of the helpers out there, we've always felt as though we were counselors in our day-to-day lives. And when I went off to college, I didn't know about counseling specifically different from psychology. So I went to the psychology department and just like, okay, that makes sense. Just kind of a shot in the dark. (laughs) But Mm. along the path, met some other helpers and got a little closer with the social work department. And then when it came down to looking into graduate programs, because, you know, everyone that goes to college in uh, undergrad and gets a psychology degree, you have to deal with a lot of hate. People will say things of, oh, you have a glorified high school degree because you can't do anything with the psychology bachelor's. So Mm. having a bit of a a harsh awakening and figuring out that, you know, a psychology undergraduate degree isn't a terminal degree to get into actually working with people. I started looking to grad programs. And then with that, just having to educate myself and a couple of members who were uh, social workers. And I have to give a lot of respect to social workers because those are the ones that helped shape me to know that I didn't want to go in a social work direction. I wanted to become a counselor. And hmm. so, you know, path continues, decided to get the master's. And then I've always kind of believed that I'm the person who jumps into everything like head first. I don't typically figure out the details until I'm there. <laughs> so I didn't know about grad school and, and doctoral programs when I went to undergrad. And then once I was in undergrad, I was like, oh, people keep going to school. OK. <laughs> um, and that's when I figured out about the master's. And then when I was a master's program, that's when I learned about doctoral programs. And mm-hmm. clearly these have always been in existence, but I didn't go to undergrad knowing I'm going to get my Ph.D. someday. Hmm. I kind of discovered that information along the way. I had the same kind of journey myself. And so it's really interesting to know that, like, you know, we get to know more and more about each other, every conversation. But same thing, I didn't know anything beyond a bachelor's. I thought I was doing it big. (laughs) I got this bachelor's. Okay, cool. You know, it's like, oh, no, there's far more schooling, you know, that you can do and and far more, you know, with graduate school. And it's like undergrad, grad, it all just really sounded like the same thing to me. But to say the least, glad that you and I both had mentors and people to guide us to be able to make decisions and to know that there's more, you know, than what we may have originally planned. So thinking about your work now, because you are, as I said, both a professor and then you're a podcaster, you're an entrepreneur. What is the nature of your work? You know, is there a specific group of people that you're out? You know, what is your research about? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. So as a provider, as a mental health provider, I work with anyone. However, my like niche would be teenagers to young adults working with identity issues, typically surrounding sexuality and gender. So that's a, one major kind of area of my research and work. And the other side is all things Black. Black, Indigenous, <laughs> people of color, but all of that. Trying to level the playing field as much as possible. Um, I want to... I've been kind of playing around this for my podcast, Tea the Teacher. I don't know. I'm trying to get catch line. But, <laughs> but a part of that is I want everything that I do to, to be an educational experience. I want to teach with my whole self. So when I'm doing that and I'm doing the research, those are the two categories I've given you today, talking about LGBTQ communities and Black, Indigenous, people of color. That's me. 
So I'm not, I mean, I'm talking about myself, but I'm trying to make sure that people don't run into any shortcomings or the ones that didn't impact me, but I know impact others. Okay, how can we level the playing field? So I'll do some research around that and trying to publish and of course teaching and just have an open conversation with students. Why is the the space around sexual identity orientation and you know like understanding the space especially when it comes to LGBTQIA rights and what have you why does that matter like for people who don't even know or have a concept of what's happening right now especially when it comes to how we evolve as people navigating society and showing up as our most authentic selves. Yeah. So your culture, your identity, primarily your identity, it is constantly evolving, right? So even with my own journey, figuring out, okay, I need to at least open up the boundaries to say, I'm not only attracted to men. Okay, well, then that goes into this category. So bisexual. And then just as my own experiences of interacting with people change, like, okay, wait, no, I need to update that. I need to allow myself to grow. Hmm. I have no desire to still be the 15 year old that was now I would say questioning. I don't want to be in that space anymore. So why should I hold on to the titles that I picked up when I was 15? So the research and the things that people are doing and discussing is really being able to honor who are you today? That could be different tomorrow, not in a whimsical way, but every day you have an opportunity to learn and grow. So I want to encourage people to allow themselves that freedom. You don't have to stay in a box. Research shows that people don't stay in the box. So socially, we shouldn't. Oh, I hate using shouldn't, but we want to be mindful not to restrict others in their expression. I like that you say be mindful to not restrict others in their expression, because what it sounds to me is that it's not just internal work that you have to do with like your clients, right, to help them, but also thinking about society as a whole and how we put certain um, boundaries or stipulations on who and what people should be. Absolutely. Yeah. We put a lot of restrictions on people. Like even in my class, I was having a conversation about attempting to have a conversation about sexism and it ended up students feeling attacked and thinking I was talking about Republicans and Democrats. And I'm like, you put us in a box just now. I was utilizing a well-televised debate example of the differences between being a white male in America and being a person of color that identifies as female in America. And just like the, the things that happen around just having a debate and how is how are these things perceived? So the students took that and put it into the box of Republican and Democrat. However, I never said Republicans think this or Democrats think that. I don't want to generalize in that sense, but understanding specifically with Black women, the intersectionality of being a Black and a woman, but then on a broader lens, the matrix of domination and just being able to allow people to move and ebb and flow because typically no one starts where they start their life isn't where they end their life. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. I was feeling that. Like, I thought I was cutting you off, but I was feeling that. Nope, nobody, wherever they start their life, they don't end their life. So then out of curiosity, as a society, what responsibility do we have to each other to 
to help one another navigate life in an ebb and flow? Checking yourself, (laughs) first off. So when something happens and you notice that somebody's moving a little different, you know, right now during the pandemic, a lot of people said, "Okay, I'm going to remember who checked in on me. And that gets into some manipulation and control when it's just like, well, did you stop and consider why they didn't hit you up? So we as a society need to be able to look beyond ourselves and say like, okay, yeah, I'm upset and disappointed because I wanted this friend to hit me up. But then what's the deeper thing here? I was sad and I was hurting. Okay, so I, when I'm sad and I'm hurting, want people to come towards me. But then how does that person handle being sad and hurting? Maybe they isolate. It might not have anything to do with you. (laughs) They're dealing with their own stuff. So as a society, if we can allow that grace for everyone to be like, maybe they're dealing with something today. Maybe they were being short with me, but it wasn't they're being short with me. They're being short because it's taking everything they have to stay afloat. Mm, mm. I can see that. That opens up the door to think about how selfish we can be as a people. Because you mentioning the... Yeah, I've seen the meme, you know, for me, it's been a meme that people are like, yeah, I, I'm going to remember, like you just said, I'm going to remember. And it's like, what are you remembering about this? I remembering that we're going through a global trauma. <laughs> um, this isn't the everyday before things happen. You know, y'all just pin petty out and fill out. But this is something that has caused me to be, I mean, even personally, just even more empathetic about what people have going on because I've I've been reading the articles and I know the mental health crisis is I don't say out of control right now but I know it's devastating to see the numbers change mm-hmm. in, in what's happening on a global scale I know economically there's been a lot of pressures from you know a, a number of angles that people are trying to figure out how to navigate and what to do with so to you saying that for us to all have enough grace reminds me of something a friend said to me many years ago and she said sometimes you have to understand enough for everybody and I didn't understand what that meant when she told it to me but similar to what you're saying just kind of echoing it if you can only look at your situation and think about how you're feeling and how you feel in relation to the world imagine how somebody else may be feeling who's even going through something more difficult than what you are and so I love that we do have a social responsibility to each other, regardless of our differences, because we're all human beings. We absolutely do. There's a need for everybody to, as you mentioned, being empathetic, uh, really getting in touch with like, just consider, consider that somebody else is hurting. Like I'm hurting, you're hurting, and there's a global pandemic happening. Nothing is as it was. People are grieving. People are in the sense of the mental health. You think about addiction or even looking specifically at one of my research areas with LGBTQ communities, the suicide rate and homelessness and substance misuse was already high. Hmm. Now we have people who are even more isolated or we have people who, because even though the times have changed, more families are open to queerness, people are still getting kicked out of their homes. Hmm. So shelters are full or closed and food banks aren't open. School, which was an outlet for many children in the United States, they couldn't go to school. They were stuck. So you want to consider that when you're looking out at the things that are happening in the communities. Like these are often trauma responses. And I think even that this wasn't really supposed to be super mental healthy, but, you know, it's my area. But 
we put too much on like these words like trauma and toxic and they themselves have been socially used to a point where it's like oh my gosh you're saying I'm traumatized it's like wait yes (laughs) you've experienced the trauma your behavior is not healthy but that doesn't mean that you aren't healthy you can get on track to whatever you want but acknowledging like there are people hurting throughout the world Mm. and just sitting in with that for even a second before you, you know, snap on somebody when you're calling them for customer service or, you know, you're in the grocery store and someone's taking too long. Just like, hold on, (laughs) just take a second, take a breath before you react. How would you want someone to react to you? Mm. In your heart, Tom. And then sometimes we act like we don't have stuff going on until we're behind a person in a grocery store who taking too long to do self-checkout and we done flipped out. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You gotta check yourself. Go home. Stop. Take a break. Like, you know, we all sensitive right now. I'm loving that. I want to know more about your podcast and I would really want, you know, those who are listening to know more about your podcast because it's clear that you are very connected to your work. You're very aware of what's happening. You know, we're very well researched. You bomb. You bomb. But, you know, thinking about your podcast and why you started that and the conversations you're having, um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my podcast is called Where I. So this stands for Action, Integrity, Grace, Health and Transparency. The main population are Black, Indigenous, people of color that identify within the queer communities. And I want to be able to provide resources. I know growing up and as I mentioned before, there are a lot of health disparities that particularly impact these populations of people. And so People are stuck at home. They're going Google. They're looking up information. And my hope is to create, grow out the website so that there's resources. There's a hub for people to have access to information that's not linked to government funding. When the current elected officials went into office, you could see on the national platform that health information was stripped for these people. And now we're back at a space where it feels almost like the 90s or early 2000s when you're just like Googling a word and you just you have to take everything you have. And looking specifically at youth, like young people who are for the first time thinking, hey, I might be attracted to someone of the same sex or maybe they're pansexual and they're like, wait, I don't understand what this means. I want to be able to have a place where it's like this information is always available. And high school, school counselors, universities can utilize it to just spread information. Uh, The main thought process, of course, with the We Are RA is paying attention to each of those words, taking action, having integrity and grace, promoting health and transparency is I'm putting myself out there a bit to be open because I want to really, I guess in short, it's it's not okay to talk about mental health. When people are feeling depressed, suicidal, sad, any of that, it's like, I need to isolate. I need to hide that because social media promotes people being happy all the time. People aren't happy mm-hmm. all the time. And so we need a space also for people to say like, hey, you don't feel good? Now, I don't want to encourage you to dwell there, but let's focus on what's coming up for you so that you can address it. And although I am a therapist, this podcast isn't set to be therapy, but it's therapeutic in nature because that's just who I am. Hmm. So at its base, it's trying to share a little bit of love and light for people who are feeling extremely lonely right now, but also 
honoring voices and stories and continuing this pass down information. Because although I'm an academic, I also am aware that um, there's a monopoly on education. So only certain things get published. Um, uh, when you submit something for publication, you give over your rights to it. So the editors can take it and change it. But we are forgetting mm-hmm. the fact that stories, passing down information is also research. It's real. When I have with my clients and hopefully through this podcast, making sure people know your truth is your truth. You are the expert of your life. I can't tell you what any of this means to you, but we can process ideas out and think about it while you make meeting. So the podcast is a resource, is a launching pad to having honest conversations. I think that is exciting to hear. And I say exciting because when I think about the work you're doing, I automatically associate it with the work that I've been out to do. And that has been creating a space for people who traditionally haven't had a space to exist, to be able to breathe, to be able to be seen, to be able to connect one another. And as they're navigating the journey of life to know that, you know, like your podcast says, we are right. <laughs> I love that. So I also, and, and it's a thing that, you know, for you to be bold enough to make this space, to give people what they need to not have to walk the journey alone especially people in, you know, queer communities who are facing sexual, you know, orientation. I don't want to say issues, but for lack of better words, let's think about family challenges. And like you said, I wouldn't even think about right now being put out of my house in the middle of this. And that's a very real thing that's happening. And then what do you do when not only maybe you've been put out, but from a financial perspective, you didn't lost your job as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a crisis. And a lot of times when we are only in ourselves, only thinking about ourselves, like in our lives, we don't take the time to stop and think about that's something that's happening to people every day all around the world. So the work that you're doing to create a safe space, especially through your podcast and like you said, through honest conversations, not just the kind of conversations that just gonna make you feel good, but even those that can educate us is something that I think is really outstanding and very exciting. And I think that it's very innovative because there's still space you know, and I'm seeing, you know, over over the years, there are many platforms that are popping up, you know, in different ways. So the fact that you're doing this and taking initiative is what I commend and am excited about. But, you know, in the same breath, you know, thinking about all things, what do you just wish that everybody knew about what it means to be I in terms of, you know, being in this space as an ally, as a Black and Indigenous person, um, as somebody who's queer, what do you just wish people would just know and just understand if you had a something to say to everybody <laughs> like right now this is your one moment you got the world platform and you need to tell people something about the work you do or the people who are part of your community what do you say i say you are enough on the day that you feel that you are your absolute worst you feel like you have nothing to give no one to give your love to you're still enough and your life is worth existing and creating so in addition to being enough you have more power than you think. It's very easy to get into a place where you ruminate and feel as though, again, you're staying in that low spot. But there's people out here who will love you as your authentic self and as you're creating your authentic self. So just know that you're enough, you are loved, 
and you're worthy of your best day and what you perceive as your worst day. I felt that. I felt that. That's that's good. That's, mm. I'm just gonna wrap it up right there. <laughs> um, that, that's 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 good. Like it's mm. if you if you felt that, just go back and play that again. Like you know, really sit with that. That's that's good, Doc. That's real good, man. But I am um I am truly thrilled to have had you here with us today. I am grateful for the work. I'm grateful for your energy, for your love, for your light, because you know people can see that you are just truly an incredible person at your core because of how you love people and how you seek to want to help them heal. And um, thank you for putting your gifts out into the world so that other people may be who they are most destined to be. Um, and because you are touching them in the ways that you do. And I know that I had you share, you know, your one platform or your one thought, you know, about, you know, the community space, but is there any word of wisdom that you want to leave us with while I have you? Yeah, I guess specifically just thinking about your target population, the first gen college students, get as much as you can, volunteer, take those opportunities, go on those trips. Now, I wouldn't say take out all the loans, but if there is an opportunity, an email and you start to think, oh, but they're not, that's not for me. No, it's for you. Join that organization Even if you don't look like the other people in that organization, they need you. Hmm. Like I just, I guess I keep going back to the same thing. Like we need you, whatever you authentically, uniquely have to offer, we need it. And I say we not in the sense of to manipulate and use and take you or rob you of your gifts, but there is another person who, even if you for a second, have one conversation you could plan and see that help somebody get through the next day just randomly last wrap up but two first generation college students i believe they're first generation college students but two black students that i've had the opportunity to work with here down in louisiana i've had a moment with each of them one last year one this year which makes it like it's all worth the fact that i moved to louisiana (laughs) Just simple conversations of being in the room and having locks and having a student say, wow, I've never had a professor that had locks. So I feel like I can do this work or, hey, the way you think is the way I think. So I can be an academic, too. Those are just random moments. But, you know, everyone has something they can give. It might not look like what you thought, but once you sit down with yourself and really think about, well, what brings me joy? You'll look around and be able to see that you have that all around you. And if you don't, then that's when you get that internal drive to push and just don't give up. That's a word today. (laughs) Catch that. Take those notes because it's real for people like us, first generation college graduates, you know, students, even the, the road is so unchartered, but we are chartering the paths. And to know that you can do it, to know that it's possible is what you got to keep believing in, believing in something greater and having faith. So love that. Mm. Dr. Belcher, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Look, it is an honor. (laughs) It is. It is. It is a pleasure. It is. It's it's amazing because you are you on the people who I look at. I'm like, don't forget the little people when you blow up. 
<laughs> I need to look please please no, because listen, one day I'm gonna look up you're gonna be in Ebony and Essence and Vogue and all kind of things. And I that's how that's what I feel about you. That's what I feel like I see. No pressure, no pressure, no pressure. But just with the work that you do and the passion that you have and the advocacy, which, you know, for those of you who are listening and wanna, you know, check out Dr. Belcher and connect with her, you'll see what I mean. But it is just and then for you to do so much and to have done so much, you know, with your life. And to be the age that you are, which we're going to just, everybody mind your business, but she young. <laughs> but, you know, it's just a thing about that, you know, it, but it's a beautiful thing to age, right? It's a beautiful thing to age, but it's really, um, it's, it's, it's incredible to see it. So we wish you the best of luck in all that you continue to endeavor to do. And we will be supporting you, cheering for you, clapping, tuning in, all those fun things. And, you know, for you who is listening, just know that if you go and click the link in the show notes, you can get to the full session notes and get Dr. B's contact information and follow her everywhere that she is to stay, you know, up to date with her work. Again, thank you so much and look forward to chatting with you again one of these days soon. All right. Thank you.